This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Yi. A particular drug or medication called semaglutide has been making headlines recently as the answer to obesity management. Now, many of you will probably know this drug by its brand names like Ozempic or Wegovy. And these were initially approved as diabetes treatments, um, but they have also been shown to have led to some significant weight loss among people who have been prescribed with these medications. But is this drug, the silver bullet that we're looking for when it comes to obesity uh, and what are some concerns uh, or safety issues that we need to be aware of um, before I guess we get too excited about these uh, medications. Now I mentioned the brand names uh, but for the purpose of the rest of the discussion today I'll be sticking to the scientific names so as not to single out any particular brands. And joining me on today's show, Professor Emeritus Dr. Chan Siu-Ping, a consultant endocrinologist. Prof Chan, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. I think it is really a very opportune that we should be talking about this compound uh, because of exactly what you mentioned, which is um, the potential for misuse uh, and uh, abuse, in fact, of this product that you are, we, we're going to talk about. Hmm. So before we get to uh, misuse and, and your concerns there, uh, let's try to understand what this drug is. Uh, semaglutide, um, how does it work exactly in treating type 2 diabetes, which is what it was initially developed for? In fact, it is still uh, very heavily used for diabetes. Um, yes, this is a class of drugs that we call GLP-1 receptor agonists. Um, so we will shorten it to GLP-1-RA. Just to, again, uh, bring everybody up to speed, GLP-1 is a naturally occurring hormone. It uh, is produced by everyone, you and me included, uh, after we have eaten. After we've eaten, food goes into the tummy and then goes down into the intestines. And when the intestines is exposed to food, what it will do is it will produce GLP-1. GLP-1 then enters the circulation and it does several things. It actually stimulates the pancreas to secrete insulin. Therefore, the person will be able to handle the carbohydrate that they have eaten. Then they can utilize the um, energy that can be broken down from this carbohydrate that is ingested. On top of that, we the researchers realized that it also inhibited the um, center for satiety. So not inhibit, but really it stimulated a sense of satiety, meaning the person after having exposed to this GLP-1 feel a sense that, oh, I'm full, so I don't need to eat anymore. So what happened, therefore, was it was developed to try to for the purpose of getting patients with type 2 diabetes to, again, make insulin when they need it uh, and to be able to handle the glucose and allow, not allow the glucose to rise. Uh, and it was found to be an exceptionally powerful drug to lower glucose. But on the flip side, uh, there was what was recognized as a benefit of weight loss 
when individuals were given this GLP-1. Uh, so these compounds are all GLP-1 related. They look like GLP-1, they behave like GLP-1, but it's not the actual GLP-1 because normal GLP-1, once it's secreted, it goes into circulation, it's broken down within minutes. Mm. So the drug uh, companies make this compound so that it can last longer, so that if effect is actually seen throughout the day. So having said that, uh, because of these two very good properties, uh, the the compound has been made available and been allowed to be registered and indicated for use with pe in people with type two diabetes in Malaysia included. Mm. Right. Um, the oh, one more. So improving glucose control. Second is weight reduction. Third and even more importantly is that. There were studies to look at cardiovascular protection. And this is what we actually call the cardiovascular outcome trials. And these CVOTs, cardio cardiovascular outcome trials, were strongly positive to show benefit of um, taking this compound to type 2 diabetic patients who will protect them from having cardiovascular disease and events in those who are high risk. So for all these three um, reasons, this compound has been used by clinicians like myself. But the cardiovascular protection, what mechanism is it working on? Um, we, we believe that it is actually largely to do with the glucose improvement mm. and that, that prolonged improvement in glucose control actually, again, sort of like stabilizes the cardiovascular system so that it doesn't block up and you don't get recurrent strokes or recurrent heart attacks. Mm. So that's really very exciting data for us that it can do it even uh, again um, while improving glucose control. So we have been trying very hard to to get our patients to start taking this medication. And I'm sure one of the key questions you wanted to ask was why is the uptake so so low among people with diabetes? And the the answer is it is costly. Mm. It is a very expensive medication. Second reason is it is an injection. And again, some people are a little bit more phobic and unwilling to take injections. So for these few reasons, the uptake has been relatively low. And I think the most important is I think after the pandemic, uh, everybody's economy is shot to bits. Um, I think that's really the reason. Mm. And, how, how expensive uh, is it, Prof? Oh, uh, if you say uh, I won't... Give you because the cost can change. Uh. Okay, we're talking in the region of about six, seven, eight hundred ringgit per month. Mm, mm. Okay, not crazy cost, but certainly uh, a sizable amount, especially if you think about the person having to pay for uh, some medication for cholesterol, some medication for blood pressure, and it all adds up. So now the uh, main issue is that when the uh, companies realize that uh, several things. One, that it, it gives us good weight reduction. Okay. Why is it that it only just recently caught everybody's notice, right? <clears throat> First of all, when it is used at the dose that we give for patients with diabetes for glucose control, it only allow, gets them about 5 to 10% of weight loss. Mm -hmm. So let's just imagine a person who is like 80 kilograms body weight. If they lose 4 kilos to 8 kilograms, to them, Maybe it's not big shakes in a sense that they say, okay, uh, quite costly for weight reduction, right? 
but since then, there have been trials to show that the higher doses of these compounds have been able to get us even higher amounts of weight loss. We are looking at 10, 15, 20% weight loss. So when you're talking about 15 to 20% weight loss, you're talking about, again, roughly about 10 to 20 kilograms weight loss. And that is what has caught the um, how would I, attention of the lay public. But at this point, uh, sort of the, the primary entry is still through the treatment of diabetes, right? We're Absolutely. Still, yeah. In Malaysia, let me just make it clear. In Malaysia, only um, the indication for treatment of diabetes, plus or minus prevention of cardiovascular disease. The weight reduction is a bonus. Mm. So the, it's not sort of, I cannot use it for reducing weight for patients, right? So um, we do not have in Malaysia indication for use of any of these compounds for weight reduction alone. Mm. Just have to be clear, if anybody doctor or otherwise, uses it, these compounds for weight reduction. They do not have diabetes. They do not need it to for cardiovascular protection. They are using it off-label. You understand what it means? It means there is no indication in Malaysia for these individuals to use it. Does off-label actually mean illegal? Off-label... <laughs> I, difficult to say whether it's illegal, uh, but they, they can turn around and say, I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I give full permission uh, to whoever is uh, is prescribing the, to this drug and I will take full responsibility for um, any problems that arise from taking this therapy. Mm. So can't, you know, you probably can't put the person in jail, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, it, it is not really... Uh, legal to do it. On the show with me today, Professor Emeritus Dr. Chan Xiuping, consultant endocrinologist um, who primarily treats diabetes, but we are discussing um, how semaglutide, a drug uh, that has proven to be very effective in helping people with diabetes manage their blood glucose, also shown a lot of promise in helping these same patients to reduce their weight and also um, provide cardiovascular protection as well. Uh, but we will continue the discussion as there is so much interest in uh, whether people who may not actually have diabetes but are struggling with some weight problems should also take semaglutide. So we'll continue this conversation after a quick break right here on Health & Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. On the show with me today, consultant endocrinologist, Professor Emeritus Dr. Chan Siu Ping. We're discussing semaglutide, which is a um, type of medication given primarily by injection um, to treat diabetes first and foremost, uh, but has also been shown to provide a lot of weight loss um, for people who uh, are taking this treatment. And uh, there's a sudden spike of interest among people who have some weight issues and who are now looking to this medication uh, to help them lose weight if they've been struggling with um, other methods like diet changes and exercise. 
As we mentioned earlier in the show, um, these are drugs that go by brand names like Ozempic uh, or in the United States, Wegovi um, is the brand that's been approved for weight loss. Uh, but for the rest of the discussion today, we'll be using the scientific names semaglutide and liraglutide. Prof Chan, I yeah. want to ask about liraglutide as well. Um, how is yes. that similar? Okay, liraglutide is actually, if I put, could put it easily, is the elder brother of semaglutide. All right, it's slightly different of, of course, molecular structure. And liraglutide in the high dose form, three milligrams, uh, has been uh, indicated. That means in Malaysia, I can use it for my patient for simple obesity uh, to for weight reduction. So there's indication for use of high dose liraglutide uh, for weight reduction in Malaysia. The patient does not need to be diabetic. Ah, okay. So and, the- and on top of that, let me just add on liraglutide high uh, in the normal dose for people with diabetes is 1.8 milligrams, uh, and that has been proven also to give cardiovascular protection. Um, the three milligrams has been uh, documented to give even better glu- uh, weight reduction. So the weight reduction for three milligrams of liraglutide is also about 5% to 10% body weight. Very similar. Uh, in fact, that high dose is very similar to ozempic, low dose. Sorry, semaglutide, low dose. Uh, the high dose gives us two to three times more weight reduction. Mm-hmm. So in terms of effectiveness for weight reduction, liraglutide at the highest dose is effective and has is indicated. That means I can use it legally. I uh, don't have to worry. Uh, and uh, I will get about a 5 to 10% weight reduction. Mm, cost range also pricey, I would imagine. Very pricey, same thing, mm. very expensive. Mm. So then it comes to that balancing the need for it. But uh, which p- kinds of patients would you deem it suitable for, uh, you know, sort of their profile in terms of how they have tried to manage their weight before Absolutely. prescribing? By the, pa- by the time the patients come to see me, they are kind of relatively desperate. They are very keen to get the weight down, um, whether they're diabetic or not diabetic. Uh, and so for these individuals, it will be indicated if the obesity is, there are clear in, uh, guidelines, if you have a body mass index in excess of 30 kilograms per meter squared, or you have a body mass index in excess of 27, but you have other comorbidities like diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, all these things which consider is high risk. And therefore, if you can actually get them to lose some weight, you can actually give them better uh, outcomes in terms of improvement, how to control their blood pressure, how to control their diabetes. So in these individuals with um, BMI 27, with comorbidities, or BMI 30 uh, and above, um, you you can initiate this therapy for weight reduction. Mm-hmm. More so the diabetic individual, for sure. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, first of all, it's not available in the public setting, uh, Ministry of Health, because it's so expensive. Secondly is no company will pay for this if it's just purely for weight reduction. Mm. Right. So again, it's considered you know un- unfair to these individuals that it's considered as um, cosmetic uh, and therefore not gi- the given priority and patients cannot claim for it. So it's not fair to them. Mm. So, But having said that, there are clear indication guidelines for use. 
Mm. When you say it's not merely cosmetic, it comes down to the other gains that they get, the cardiovascular definitely, improvement, yes, right? Definitely. So we believe that, we, you see, again, back to the basic uh, understanding is weight, obesity and overweight is contributory to all these cardiovascular umbrella of disorders that you are familiar with, everybody's familiar with hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, and that if you and then now we are adding fatty liver on top of that. And if you actually are successful at gaining that weight loss, right, you will actually benefit the person by making these problems easier to manage. Mm-hmm. And when they are easier to manage and at target the chances of them developing complications are much less. But is it too good to be true in a sense? What are, what do you want to highlight about perhaps side effects or any longer term issues that we need to be aware of? Okay, uh, very difficult to say too good to be true. Some patients uh, are not overweight and obese and therefore GLP-1 uh, at that point in time may not be the ideal drug for them. You just picture a person who's slim, who um, has what we call the beta cells are not functioning and really require insulin for control, and they don't have any cardiovascular disease that requires me to initiate a GLP-1 for protecting the heart, right? So that individual really requires injection insulin rather than a GLP-1 because if they lose the weight that they cannot afford to lose, that's not really the answer for them. Mm. But again, going back to our Malaysian population, a lot of our type 2 diabetic patients, if you actually look around, you will see a lot of our Malaysian population getting bigger. They are getting bigger and bigger in terms of body uh, body weight. And so a lot of, we recognize that the obesity problem is driving the epidemic of so many people having diabetes, so many people having hypertension. And we think that if we could actually lose that, uh, it will actually improve the, how would I say, the the number of people that we struggle with managing these problems. Mm. But uh, I've also read that um, there have been studies finding that people on semaglutide could gain back the weight when they stop the treatment? Good question. Um, Once the person has initiated a drug like this, whether it's semaglutide, liraglutide or um, other uh, dulaglutide for that matter, uh, if you stop if you haven't changed your diet and lifestyle significantly to the lower weight that you have been able to uh, get, then the weight will slowly come back, for sure. Why? Because the switching, you know, the the, the sort of like dampening down of the appetite has gone away. So these individuals will start eating more and it won't sort of like bounce back straight away, but it will start coming back. So the answer to that is really, if you are taking it, um, chances are you need to take it long term. Mm. All right. And and you mentioned about uh, side effects. I didn't answer that. Um, Yes, there are side effects that need to be uh, informed to the patient because of the way that it switches off the appetite. Some patients complain of nausea. Some of them complain of vomiting. Some complain of sort of like gassiness and the tummy bloating, all these things. So you can't just switch on the treatment by giving them the biggest dose you can imagine. Uh, you, we have to start on a low dose and slowly in, increase the dose as the patient gets used to it. 
Um, so there are significant side effects if uh, it, the patient doesn't do it properly. The European Medicines Agency is in fact even investigating some of these um, for suicidal ideation. Um, what can you tell us? Then? I think that was just recently uh, what was, has gained some public attention. Uh, a couple of uh, patients have been, um, uh, how would I say, uh, informed to the uh, Medicines Agency, uh, largely I think from Europe, uh, Finland, if I believe, right, Um This is probably, if you look at the background of weight reduction, weight reducing drugs, is that uh, some of the older uh, weight reducing therapies have been associated with changes in um, mood uh, as well as uh, mental function, functioning, so that in fact, um, we do sometimes tell patients, you might find that you you, um, have a lower mood, but for this class of drugs, um, we haven't come across um, any significant signal for um, mood change until patients are significantly depressed, nor I would say uh, the worrying term is suicidal. Hmm. Um, One of the things that we do recognize is that uh, some people tend to eat as a, how would I say, um, a a comfort kind of the, 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 the way they cope the coping behavior is they eat and they snack when they are feeling stressed. So when you remove this behavior that is their coping behavior, sometimes you can get a little bit down. Mm. Um, we haven't come across any significant signals for um, this problem, but certainly I think it's important to us to keep uh, a close eye on this. Mm. Um, so the wider picture of obesity management and uh, and blood sugar management, you as you've said, it cannot just involve this drug alone. You're looking Absolutely. at um, diet, exercise. Um, so even for something like liraglutide, which is uh, indicated in Malaysia for uh, obesity treatment, um, you wouldn't just put patients on the drug and say, off you go, right? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, again, uh, maybe that you, you're asking the right question because um, they're not going to just take one drug and say, ha, that's my answer to my all my problems in terms of glucose control, cardiovascular problems, weight. Uh, many of them will require multiple drugs. We use good old drugs, the, our old faithfuls that we tend to use, like metformin, uh, other drugs that we use to help us gain that glucose control. Um, And many of them will need multiple medications. Um, They will require return for follow-ups in order to see how they are tolerating it, how they're responding to the medications, and then for us to adjust medication according to the individual patient. So yeah, you, you can't just say off you go. I think that would be totally irresponsible. Would things like bariatric surgery or gastric balloon come into the conversation as well? Those are other... Um, Weight guess, loss uh, procedures. Yeah. Uh, in fact, before the advent of these drugs that give us close to the weight loss of bariatric surgery, bariatric surgery was the go-to procedure for those individuals whom we consider as morbidly obese. Obesity that is causing significant disability where they are so disabled, they are 
They are osteoarthritis of the knees, prevent them from moving. They have so much of problems with their breathing uh, and uh, obstructive sleep apnea and all these other things that we think, okay, this obesity is going to kill you if you don't lose a significant amount of weight. And in these individuals, we will send them to the bariatric surgery, mm -hmm. uh, to the bariatric surgeon who will either do a sleeve gastrectomy, make the stomach kind of like get rid of about 90% of the stomach and make the stomach 10% its original volume, or they will do a row on Y bypass. They bypass the stomach and things like that. Mm -hmm. For those procedures, um, the weight loss expectation is 15, 20, 25%. And the weight loss is uh, long-term. But if, of course, if the patient decides to continue to stuff the stomach, uh, even when you got a 10% stomach, okay. it will slowly balloon out also. And it will also slowly regain some of the weight, mm -hmm. right? Uh, case in hand, you, you think about Maradona. He was going to die of what we said, uh, obesity, cardiomyopathy. The heart was not functioning because of severe obesity. He had the bariatric surgery and he lost a lot of weight and that gave him a second uh, lease of life. So that's basically what happens. Mm. This class of drugs now and some newer ones that are being investigated are giving the clinician close to that weight loss. And all of us are relatively excited because the bariatric surgery is, again, when you talk about drugs being expensive, bariatric surgery is far, far more expensive. We are talking about 60,000 ringgit just to do that procedure. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the this surgical procedure doesn't get any insurance cover, unfortunately. So you're talking about giving us that kind of weight loss for, again, very, uh, again, now considering the bariatric surgical procedure so expensive, this one is considered cheap. <laughs> even though even though we said uh, earlier the range yeah. of six to eight hundred ringgit a month on yeah. top of other drugs um, it, yeah. it's it's still this, a this cost is six hundred to eight hundred uh for diabetes dose for diabetes reduct uh, re improvement dose where you will get with this um low dose of semaglutide you will get about five to ten percent weight loss. Mm -hmm. uh, while if you take the high dose, which you call Vigovi, uh, and again, we can't avoid saying it because this was, uh, you know, sort of like uh, publicity from uh, Elon Musk uh, that he got his significant weight loss from taking Vigovi. That is 2.4 milligrams versus one milligram. Mm -hmm. So it is two and a half times more, more dose than the diabetes dose. Mm. What, then why not make it um, more available for people who are struggling with their weight? And uh, and I think this is where uh, the risk of misuse comes or off-label use is because so many people read and hear about it. Uh, they've struggled with other methods to reduce mm, weight. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think we, well, to give our our drug uh, control authorities, their due respect, they have to go through all the re relevant uh, research and all the evidence uh, for us to be able to uh, launch this product for the purpose of weight reduction. Certainly, I as a clinician will be looking forward to having available for use in my patients where appropriate. Shall we, the problem lies in the public using this and abusing it when they do not have the indication for its use. 
a body mass index of 26. They want to be 21. This is in no way indication for us to use it clinically. So therein lies our, how would I say, uh, problem. One is you're getting a lot of um, uh, off-label use. Uh, they are purchasing, purchasing it in the past. I don't know now. I understand that Shopee has stopped selling it. But for a while, it was available on um, sale. And anybody yeah. can buy it without a prescription. Mm. Uh, and then um, because of this um, unprecedented increase in use, right, the actual patients who will uh, benefit and should get hold of this drug are not getting it. Because I, for one, will tell you we cannot get Ozempic and semaglutide in our hospital because the company just says it, there is a global shortage. It's not only a problem with Malaysia, it's a problem worldwide. Because, again, there is a lot of use where they just want to look slim, maybe model thin, so which we believe that is inappropriate. Could it actually be dangerous? I don't know that you can call it dangerous because I suppose I've not heard of anybody who has become anorexic with it. Uh. But um, dangerous as in not really dangerous if they can tolerate the gastrointestinal side effects and you will realize that some patients will be willing to tolerate the nausea. Um, they will not have any major problems like it won't cause any uh, damage to target organs. It will not cause severe uh, low glucose levels. So not dangerous in those terms, but dangerous if you uh, vomit so much until you get dehydrated perhaps. Uh, so if you actually do it co correctly, uh, it shouldn't be life-threatening. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cause like, you know, in, in the traditional therapies where they were taking some herbal traditional therapies where it caused a lot of liver toxicity and the liver fails, not like that. We don't have those problems. But honestly, Prof Chan, if people are buying it um, from sources other than somebody like yourself who, who should be the one prescribing it, whether it's an online platform or a friend's friend's doctor, quote unquote, right? <laughs> how, how would they even know that they are actually getting the legitimate product? Uh, I, I would not know. I would not know that whether or not you are correct, whether they're getting the legitimate product, where it came from, whether it has been, because these products have to be kept in the fridge. Uh, and whether or not the cold chain has been maintained so that the effectiveness of the drug is not compromised, all these things are big question marks. Mm. But again, we do recognize that some of these pro some of the uh, effectiveness of weight loss strategies can depend on the individuals themselves, isn't it? If the person uh, thinks, I'm taking this and it's going to help me weight, lose weight and I'm going to go and do a lot of gym work and stuff like that, they will also uh, get some weight loss. And they think, oh, it's all because of that medication I'm taking. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Prof, as the healthcare professional, right? Do you think that um, physicians could do more to empathize more with the people who are, you know, re I mean, we know that the lifestyle changes are very difficult, especially long term, or, you know, change the way you educate um, patients. Uh, what do you think uh, from your perspective? Um, you're bringing us into the realm of public awareness, public health um, 
sort of initiatives. And you are right. It should take um, a lot of effort on everybody's part. You have put uh, a very important aspect of it, which is we should not be um, shaming these individuals to say it's all your fault. We should recognize that there is a huge genetic um, sort of inheritance in terms of how an individual will lose weight or have difficulty losing weight or, in fact, gain weight with very minimal intake. Uh, all these things have to be recognized. Uh, on top of that, I do believe that we should have some further um, change in the environment we live in. What do I mean? Um, this is where we require uh, buy-in from the authorities, uh, where they can build more parks, where they can build more um, opportunities for individuals to exercise and to perhaps have a, a safe walkway uh, and a bicycle path or what have you. And you can see that this is happening across many other countries where the infrastructure is geared towards better and increasing physical activity. So then, you know, I, would, I wouldn't dare to walk on the main road for exercise because I might get knocked down. Yeah. You see, So those are things uh, so that if you can actually uh, have the basic thing is that you walk. So let's say I walk up the stairs rather than run, uh, take the escalator. Why don't I take the stairs? Maybe the stairs are difficult to find. They're all locked away and things like that. And so if we were to improve some of this infrastructure, it will help, mm. right? Um, and what else? Malaysians, I'm sure you've heard this uh, interesting term that all of us have coined. We use Malaysians are all on seafood diet, right? <laughs> we eat what we see. Um, and food is readily available 24-7. Even after the pandemic, you can see that it's available. And the food that are relatively affordable and cheap are high-carbohydrate uh, type stuff. And although it's not a very uh, favorite thought about whether we should put a sugar tax on things, uh, it, it, we really shouldn't make it so easy. Uh, it's, it's a local behavior, cultural behavior, where we just shovel lots of sugar into the drinks. Mm -hmm. And to the person, if it's not that amount of sugar, it's not tasty. Yeah. So these are things that we need to uh, sort of like encourage patients and people uh, not to encourage the sweet tooth. Yeah, if it's not sweet, it's not tasty. If it's not fried, it's not tasty. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> we so need to change. again, all these things need time to build and for them to, to realize that, hey, you know, this is actually the way it should be. And it should also start with school children. Mm -hmm. Right. Where in schools, you don't want to give them all the cheap snacks that are all, again, just full of flour and carbohydrate. Yeah. Let's wrap up with uh, takeaways to caution people who perhaps uh, may have been quite excited about news of this kind of drug, uh, but may not actually need it, uh, as you've said, and that's where misuse could happen. Just if you could uh, summarize some uh, cautionary messages to them and red flags that they should look out for if a friend is recommending this to them, you know? All right. Um, we are talking about two main problems here. One is individuals who are struggling with overweight and obesity, but may not necessarily have diabetes or hypertension and other comorbidities. And we're talking about use, appropriate use of these compounds 
in people with type 2 diabetes who are struggling with a weight problem as well as have maybe cardiovascular disease or a high risk of cardiovascular disease. The good news is that this class of compounds bring with it all the plus points that the type 2 diabetic person will require and should try and get to use if possible, if they can afford, I mean. Um, on the part of people who are struggling with weight, uh, simple weight like obesity or overweight, if you have, as I said, a body mass index in excess of 30 and body mass in excess of 27 and have other comorbidities, you are, how would I say, there is an indication for use of this class of products to assist in jump-starting that weight loss. It has to be done under some kind of medical supervision. If you are taking any other drugs, like for diabetes, which might cause hypoglycemia, it might worsen hypoglycemia if you're taking that, the classes of drugs that can cause hypoglycemia. But let's say you're not diabetic and you're just do, using it for weight reduction. Um, why should you do it under medical supervision? Is so that they can take you through uh, the lifestyle change that is required to assist in get, getting optimal weight loss. Don't just take this medication and then go and lie down and watch the television because you're not going to get the amount of weight loss you're looking for. So as you say yourself correctly, this class of compounds are used to assist lifestyle change in jump-starting weight reduction for the purpose of improving the health of these individuals, meaning blood pressure is still to control. In fact, blood pressure may even disappear if you lose enough weight. Uh, or, and diabetes may also be very easy to control and things like that. Um, how do you appeal to people who are abusing the use of these therapies? Be careful because you, you, you may not, <laughs> you may be sort of like denying uh, people who really require this treatments uh, a chance to use it because it's not available. Mm. It is a difficult one, but I think the, the, the takeaway message that I'm getting is even if you do go on semaglutide uh, to lose weight, uh, eventually at some point if you stop, the weight will come back. So it's not a magic fix as well. You are right. So it's not sort of like uh, we haven't cured you. What happens is if you stop taking this medication, the weight is likely to come back again and then all the problems may recur. Hmm. So it's not something that say, okay, I'm done and I can stop this medication and I'll be healthy for life. That's not going to happen. And on that note, thank you so much, Prof. I've been speaking to Professor Emeritus Dr. Chan Siu-Ping, a consultant endocrinologist about semaglutide, uh, a class of drugs that has received a lot of attention recently to possibly reduce weight um, for people struggling with obesity. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.